The NFL Draft had some normal, expected results and some real shockers. It's Monday, May 1st, Happy May Day. I'm senior writer Owen Poindexter, and this is Front Office Sports Today. The NFL Draft produced some big surprises both in Kansas City and at the betting markets. Joining me now to dive into that is the Action Network's Darren Ravel. Welcome, Darren. Hello, hello. So we are still processing a lot of what went on on the draft on Thursday night. Um, So what was the big headline for you coming out of the first round? I mean, it has to be Kentucky quarterback Will Levis. Um, You know, uh, earlier in the week, this Reddit thread from this guy, Sales Agreeable 2834. Uh, who's only sounds pre- credible whose only previous post was on Batman and also said that he was a friend of Baker Mayfield uh, the fact that he said it that he's at 40 to one and that will Levis is telling people that he's going to Carolina and then it goes from 40 to one to 20 to one to eight to one to four to one to plus 175 two. The fact that when markets closed at around 8 o'clock on Thursday night, Will Levis had the most bets to be the number one pick at BetMGM. Now, uh, it not necessarily made the sports books money because it was only about 12% of the total handle. So there's more money bet on Bryce Young. But, you know, the fact that there was a bunch of other markets, including Will Levis. Will Will Levis get picked in the top 10 picks, which at that point, as it was closing down, was at minus 1,000. And someone at points bet put 1,000 bucks on to win 100 because it just seemed guaranteed. And then, of course, we had Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud and Anthony Richardson at number four, and then no other quarterbacks taken. And then we had Chris Mortensen saying that he had a toe issue that was previously undisclosed and Levis thought it was fine, but maybe teams didn't. And obviously you had the drama of the old Aaron Rodgers type guy shows up at the draft and is just sitting there, you know, with his girlfriend as he does not get drafted, Um, which is interesting because, you know, for a couple years that had been avoided because in COVID, people actually stayed at home and they were able to get some ambush opportunities. So things that were not league sponsors and get money that way. And I was actually concerned with the uh, for the NFL draft. I was concerned uh, for the fact that they weren't going to have people who were going to show up there. And, uh, and they managed to get pretty much everyone who was going to be a top 15 pick um, up. Uh, Uh, Peter Skaronsky of Northwestern decided to stay home, no cameras. But other than that, anyone who was likely to be a top 15 pick, they had show up. Uh, So the fact that Levis is just obviously sitting there, obviously someone within the league said that he he was going to be, uh, you know, a a pick that was worthy of showing up. And then obviously the video. So very, very interesting from a betting standpoint, uh, because the, the sports books don't make money on the NFL draft. They never have. It's a marketing thing. Uh, betters seem to be ahead of the books, and they have trouble adjusting. And, and some sports books just absolutely hate it. But they do it anyway 
for marketing purposes. I don't know if enough Levis bets were put down to make it a profitable event. Uh, the sports books have been mum on that, but you know, certainly just goes to show you the value or non-value of information. Yeah, that's interesting because there is just more known about you know most things you can bet on in the sports betting world. You know, you know, like you know which teams are playing, what their records are. You know, is is the pitcher righty or lefty? Is the quarterback hurt? Is, you know, it punch into an algorithm that have mm-hmm. you know no emotion to it. Yes. Right. Whereas this, there isn't so much an algorithm. It's just, you know, every single team making individual decisions and, you know, will they trade? Will they do this? Will they do that? Are they lying to be liars to the marketplace? Right. Like there's, there's, there's a double game here, which is like, they're not doing it for gamblers. They're they're trying to lie because they're trying to play the game because they're going to try to get people to trade down or they're going to trade down themselves. And, you know they don't want to. They don't want to put anything out there. And sometimes it's it's more effective to kind of uh, uh, run around people and not necessarily say exactly what you want because that's just gamesmanship. Yeah, and I feel like uh, another big story out of this is Anthony Richardson going all the way up to four. You know, who knows where he would have landed if not for his incredible combine? But he might have swapped spots basically with Will Levis. Um, with him going at four and Will Levis not even in the first round. Yeah, well, Richardson, obviously, if you look at his touchdown to INT ratio, you know, that there's been only a handful of players who have gone up that far who who have had, you know, fewer touchdowns uh, and, and and had the ratio that he had. Um, people making fun of Jim Mersey, you know, the Colts. The, obviously, the Colts have been rent an old QB, and now maybe they're willing to do the to rent a young QB or make make a QB their own. Um, but obviously, as as uh, you know, go from Andrew uh, from Peyton Manning to Andrew Luck to you know, every year there's a different quarterback. Name him. Um, it seems like they they would need a quarterback, but the number four position was maybe an unfortunate place to be. Yeah, I feel like there, there's always like one spot where you're kind of caught in the middle and, you know, it, it's not always easy to to trade. They probably could have traded down a few spots and gotten Richardson later. But yeah, he, someone else has to be on the other end of that deal. At least they got Peyton right in uh, 1998. Right. And, you know, that counts for a lot. <laughs> he did, did a whole lot for that franchise. Um, any other um, big, big narratives, maybe on the defensive end? Um, coming out of this draft. Yeah, so so for, for a long time, obviously, you know, if you want to make money in the NFL draft and you're bringing up your son, you want him to be a quarterback. Well, then in the in the mid-2000s, uh, Blindside comes out by Michael Lewis, becomes the movie. Sandra Bullock wins the uh, the Oscar, you know, whatever it is. And, and then it's like, okay, well, you know, quarterbacks are valuable, but then you need the guy to protect the quarterback. So offensive tackles, left tackles, kind of all of a sudden were drafted – um, you know, out of nowhere, and you'd have these drafts with five to six to seven offensive tackles drafted. Well, in the last five years, we've clearly seen defensive ends and defensive tackles go in greater number than before. Um, so on, on Thursday, there were eight defensive end defensive tackles drafted, uh, which matched uh, the most drafted in the last decade. Uh, and, and the reason for that is simple. Um, it costs so much to get a great defensive end or a pass rusher in general, uh, just by looking at 
uh, I think out of the top 15 players, six of them are defensive end, and most most paid, six of them are defensive end or defensive tackles or pass rushers like a TJ Watt. And, and so the reason why you're then drafting so much is because there's this delta between great and okay, and obviously paying for great costs you a lot of money. So if you can draft the great guy, well, then surely uh, you know, you're, you're in a good position. So that's one of the reasons why we thought that there would be a lot of defensive end, defensive tackles drafted, and that did turn out to be the case. All right. Darren Ravel, thanks so much for your insights and joining us on the show. You got it. Thank you. Up next, I spoke to someone with first-round expectations in the NBA draft, Houston guard Marcus Sasser. He's a guy with a lot of humility and a whole lot of talent. We spoke about how he's preparing for the draft and for life in the NBA and what he's learning from watching the NBA playoffs. We'll have that conversation right after this. Here's what's trending now. You can defer payments of a full NetSuite implementation for six months. 33,000 companies have already upgraded to NetSuite, gaining visibility and control over their financials, inventory, HR, e-commerce, and more. Everything they need to reduce manual processes, boost efficiency, build forecasts, and increase productivity. Whether your business generates millions or hundreds of millions of dollars, take advantage of this special financing offer of no payments or interest for six months at netsuite.com frontoffice. That's netsuite.com slash frontoffice. All right. I'm now very excited to be joined by former Houston, soon NBA guard, Marcus Sasser. Welcome, Marcus. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. So, um, let's start with, with the NBA draft. So, you declared for the NBA draft where's your mind right now in terms of just like thinking about, you know, where you're going to play and what that's going to be like? Um, right now I'm just working, you know, trying to um, sharpen my game up, be the best I can be, um, get in the best shape um, and really just get better while I'm down here in Chicago and um, hopefully just go out there and perform, you know, in front of the NBA scouts and just show them, you know, the things that they want to see and really just try to go as high as possible and then really just try to go into the best fit for me, you know, in the NBA and um, whatever happens after that, you know, I just hope it's something good. Yeah. I imagine that has to be a little bit nerve wracking because it really could be any team in the NBA could, especially because teams can trade up and move around and all that. Um, So uh, is it, is it a nerve wracking experience or are you, you know, able to be sanguine about it? Um, I'm just, you know, enjoying the experience. You know, a lot of people don't get to experience this, so I'm not really, you know, nervous and nothing like that. I'm just blessed to even be in this, you know, situation and um, just in just in this environment, really. So I'm just, you know, taking it all in, enjoying the experience, and um, just going with the flow, really. Yeah, I mean, it's got to be fun to know you're headed to yeah. the NBA. Um, <laughs> you mentioned training. The NBA, like the NFL, doesn't really have much of a training period after the draft other than the the college experience or the G League. Uh, But there isn't like really a minor leagues where you like play in the team's development system so much. Most players, you're drafted, then you're on the team. Um, What's that like knowing that like your next, you know, professional games could be, will be probably on an NBA court? Um, just really, you know, there's just extra motivation every day. I go out there and work out. Um, 
that's why I try not to, you know, take no days off. You know, every time I go work out, just try to be laser focused. Um, just really going into the gym to get better, you know, every single day. Because, you know, at the, in the NBA, it's the best of the best guys. So, and um, if you want to be the best, you know, you got to kind of work the hardest or, you know, and that's really just my main thing, just trying to get better right now so I can be prepared and be um, just ready to be on the NBA level when I step, you know, step foot on the court with them NBA guys. Yeah. And at this point, you know, you don't exactly have a team. You're, you came from Houston waiting on your NBA team. So do you have like people that you're working with on your training or is it, you know, you, you know what to do to, to stay in shape and stay sharp? Uh, yeah, I moved, since I moved down here, um, you know, I, we have a training group, you know, a part of Priority Sports, you know, that's the agency that I'm signed under. And, you know, they have a lot of good trainers and um, people, you know, it's just really kind of like a family. And, you know, everybody just pushing each other to be the best they can be. So, um, yeah, I feel like the training team down here has really, you know, helped me to become better in shape and just become a better person and just stand mentally ready and physically ready. Yeah. And of course, these days, you know, athletes that have some stature, such as yourself, um, you know, you came of age in the NIL era um, when you can can profit off your name, image and likeness while you're still in college. Um, How did that impact your your college experience, your college playing experience to have that as part of the puzzle? Um, I feel like it was good. Um, Just saying that because you know uh, a lot of people talk about it with the money and stuff like that yeah of course it helps but um i just looked at it as building relationships you know with these owners and these different type of companies and just picking other people's brains and um i just think it was a good a good thing for you know college guys to go out there and connect with you know with different um people in different like things that they do you know some people do marketing and some people do like the people that own the businesses and, you know, I just feel like it was fun to, you know, actually build a relationship and get to know their thoughts and things like that. And then just us sharing our experience with basketball and then um, just us building a relationship. So I feel like the NIL thing was a good um, plus to, you know, college. Yeah. Yeah. And you linked up with athletic brewing. So how, how did that relationship start? Um, I, They actually, you know, hit me up and, um, we just started talking and they was telling me, you know, about how it was a um, non-alcoholic beer and things like that. And, you know, I was just like, that's, you know, that's really unheard of. It's not a lot of beers that's non-alcoholic. And um, so I just feel like, you know, they kind of changing the game with that. Um, just having a non-alcoholic beer, you know, it's still a beer. It tastes good and you can still drink it and you won't really, you know, get drunk or anything by it. You'll still be regular and you can still drink a beer. So, you know, I accepted it, of course, and, you know, I built a good relationship with that team, and um, it's been good ever since. Yeah, and, of course, these days, um, you know, players have a, have a pretty, like, active off-court lives in terms <laughs> of, you know, their sponsorships and, and anything else they have going on. Um, how do you see that being part of your life going forward as, you know, you enter the NBA? I just say, you know, it's kind of, it's two sides of, you know, sports the business side and then on the court or on the field side. So um, I just think it's good that you can kind of start early, get a head start, you know, with the NIL stuff in college. So when you do get, if you are blessed enough to, you know, make it to the pros at the highest level, you know, you kind of already know what to expect or you already, you know, have a taste on what it is to actually build connections and have partnerships with big organizations. So um, 
I think it's good that, you know, they added that in college for sure. Yeah, right. It's, you know, because part of the training process now at this point. Yeah. Um, I know you've been watching the NBA playoffs. Are there particular players that you see that you, you kind of like hope your career trajectory goes in a similar direction to theirs? Um, yeah, just a lot of, you know, the top guards that's playing right now, um, like Marcus Smart, um, Fred Van Fleet, Trey Young, you know, just kind of them my size guards, you know, that's, you know, play a big role on the NBA team right now. And, um, you know, that's kind of where I see myself in the next five to seven years. So I'm the type of guys I look at, you know, especially during the playoffs. Yeah. And, and of course, the, the guard position, I mean, this is kind of old news at this point, but it's yeah. changed a lot in the last, you know, five, eight years of largely <laughs> feel like it started with Steph, like hitting yeah. threes, like <laughs> basically from half court. Um, but do you, do you think uh, that fits with your game? Is there like an added pressure to like have more of like a, a three point game for you? Um, I just feel like I was blessed with the ability to shoot the ball. So um, I just feel like it's a good plus, you know, to be able to space the floor and shoot the ball. Because, you know, if you're a point guard that can't shoot, I feel like the defense can kind of um, set their defense better when, you know, you can't space the floor and you can't knock down the open three. Um, so rather when you can, you know, they got to pay attention to you and things like that. So just having a being able to shoot the three ball, I just feel like it's a great plus, not just for you, but for your team also. What are your plans for the summer other than just like staying in shape? Um, just getting better, um, getting prepared, probably go to a couple workouts, work out for some teams on um, the combine and then draft night. Yeah. 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 Where do you think you're going to be on draft night? I don't even know yet. <laughs> We're still talking about that. Um, I want to, you know, go back to Houston, but I don't know. My mom might want to go to New York. So it's still up in the air. Yeah, yeah. Just to to wrap us up, um, uh, how are you enjoying these NBA playoffs? Um, it's real fun. It's real exciting, you know, just to see these dudes compete, you know, at a very high level. Um, it's so much on the line every game. Um, as you can tell, Yesterday, last night, you know, the game never over until the buzzer sounds. So just been tuned in, you know, trying to pick up little tips here and there to, you know, add to my game for when I get to that level. So um, it's just it's a good experience to just sit here and, you know, sit back and watch the game all night and um, just learn different things from different players. Yeah. Who's someone that you've you've picked something up from or you saw something on the court where you're like, oh, yeah, that's that's something I could use. Um, I say stuff. Steph Curry, you know, just you can tell how much shape he in, just the way he run and don't really get tired, and like how how his opponent always tired, um, and the way he just move without the ball. You know, I feel like he can move off the ball, and that's what get him a lot of his open threes, just because he's in tip top shape. You're right. Yeah, you, you think of him as just like this unbelievable shooter, but yeah, he he can make space for himself, like almost like no one else. So, all right, Marcus Asser, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Appreciate you. That's it for today. Subscribe if you haven't. We have great conversations across the entire sports world every weekday. Let other folks know about the show with a review on your podcast platform, or just tell someone you think would like it. Thanks for listening. We will see you tomorrow.